Welcome to TNS, the new school at Commonweal, a collaborative learning project exploring nature, culture, and consciousness. Join us now for more music and stories with Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen and musical artist Karen Drucker. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us and happy Mother's Day. I am Kira Epstein, the program coordinator at the New School of Commonweal. And it is wonderful to welcome back Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen and musician Karen Drucker to the New School. We have been doing these hour-long stories and music events with Rachel and Karen since, I think, January now. And you can watch or listen to all of the recordings on our website. Each one is special and unique and comes directly from the heart. Uh, And we have more coming up June 20th, right here on Zoom. We have another uh, hour-long stories and music event, um, Yo Papa, celebrating Fathers and Father's Day. And then July 8th at the Community Congregational Church in Tiburon, we have an in, they have an in-person event event. and that's a rarity. So be sure if you're in the area, be sure to sign up for that. You can go to karendrucker.com to find out all about it and to register. For anyone who may be new to the new school of Commonweal, we are a program that presents conversations and performances with artists and leaders and scientists and activists and doctors. And we've been operating operating our program free of charge for more than 15 years. We have I think we have about 400 conversation recordings now. You can find them on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Or you can find them on our website, tns.commonweal.org. Most of you already know our guests. Rachel is co-founder and the current medical director of the Commonweal Cancer Health Program. And she's joined us many times at the new school. And Karen is a keynote speaker, women's retreat facilitator, songwriter, and entertainer who's, re- who's recorded 22 CDs of her heartfelt music. And finally, a big thank you and welcome to you for joining us. We're honored to have you with us. And that leads me to turn it over to Karen and Rachel. Thank you all for joining us at the New School Commonwealth. Hi, everybody. Good morning to you, or good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you're whenever you're watching this. It is truly a joy. Good morning, Rachel. How are you? Good morning. I am happy. How are you? I'm very happy to be with you. So we are very um, indebted to the New School for allowing us to do this every every month. Yeah, I think we actually started in November, I think. I think we have even... But anyway, we're just thrilled to be here doing this. So I'm going to start off with a few songs, and then we're going to turn it over to Rachel for some of her wonderful stories. So uh, I'm going to start off with a song that... Um, uh, we're talking about mothers today, but divine feminine energy, all of that. And this is, I want you, well, first of all, I want you to sing along with me. So this is my magic wand that says that you can sing, okay? So I'm going to give you a couple songs here. I want you to sing along. I can't necessarily hear you, but I'm going to just picture you singing with us, okay? And I would like to dedicate this song to my dear friend, Rachel, because, okay. you know, we, uh, some of us have had mothers that were nurturing, or some of us have not had that. Some of us have had people in our lives that just come into our lives for whatever magical reason. And that is what Rachel is to me. Rachel is my nurturer. Um, 
she's such a such an advocate for me and my highest good that she will just kind of run me over the coals when I'm not taking care of myself or I'm not charging enough for what I do. I mean, she just gives it to me. And I'm very, very blessed with this relationship. I feel like I just want to say thank you. So I want you to, as this song is going on, I'm going to teach you the part that you can sing with me. But think about someone in your life right now. Picture, get them in your mind's eye. Someone that you want to say thank you to. Whether it's your mother or someone who nurtured you. I'll show you the chorus in a second. For all the ways you've touched my life. I honor you today You are an angel in disguise And so I say So here's your part, you get to say Thank you, thank you, thank you Thank you, thank you, thank you Just say thank you
heart said, if the only prayer you say every day is thank you, that would be enough. So here's a little chant for you. Oh, mother, mother, let love be with us. Oh, mother, mother, let love be with us. Oh, mother, mother, mother of all things. Oh, mother, mother, mother of all things. Song written by Lisa Thiel. Oh, mother, mother, let love be with us. Oh, mother, mother, let love be with us. Mother, mother, mother of all things. Oh, mother, mother, mother of all things. That's the whole thing. Got it? Okay, let's do it. Oh, mother, mother, let love be with us. Oh, mother, mother, let love be with us. Oh, mother, mother, mother of all things. Mother, mother, mother of all things, peace. Oh, mother, mother, let peace be with us. Oh, mother, mother, let peace be with us. Oh, mother, mother, mother of all things. Oh, mother, mother, mother of all things, hope. Oh, mother, mother, let hope be with us. Oh, mother, mother, let hope be with us. Oh, mother, mother, mother of all things. Oh, mother, mother, mother of all things, faith. Oh, mother, mother, let faith be with us. Let faith be with us Oh, mother, mother Mother of all things Oh, mother, mother Mother of all things Let's go back to love Oh, mother, mother Let love be with us Oh, mother, mother Let love be with us Oh, mother, mother Mother of all things Oh, mother, mother Mother of all things That line again Oh, mother, mother Mother of all things Oh, mother, mother Mother of all things Does that feel good when you start the day singing? Feels good. <sighs> okay, Rachel. Oh, thank you, Karen. <laughs> so I thought I'd talk a little bit about something I never talk about at all, which is my family, my very unusual family. And um, especially from the perspective of... Um, Mothers and mothering. Okay. Both my mother and my grandmother were born in Russia. And they had a very different idea about what it meant 
to be a, a, a mother because of this. My grandmother was a huge presence in my life. She died many, many years before I was born. But she was invoked daily through the memories and, and sayings that were in the minds of her children. And the many stories about her. Uh, Grandma was a rabbi's wife, which meant that the whole town was our family. Everybody's injuries were cared for because they were part of our family. Everyone's hunger was fed because they were part of our family. Her cooking was legendary. And there were always young men floating around her house who were students, like her own four sons were students. And they slept on the living room floor until they graduated, usually from medical school. Right? So there was a, a sort of life force that went through the household, and it was all um, through my grandmother, through her own relationship to life itself and to the life in other people. Um, there's a wonderful, wonderful story told about her icebox. And it was an icebox. I I'm old enough to remember iceboxes. There were no refrigerators. There was a, a wooden box with a big square and then a big heavy door. And every day the ice man came and put a big uh, piece of ice in that hole. And that's how you kept the things cool. My grandmother's icebox was so full that you had to, with food and makings for food, that you had to open it with great caution, very carefully, right? And if you didn't open it with caution, things would fall out of the icebox. And of course, uh, hungry children are infrequently not careful to open doors with caution. And so often a hungry child would open the door and a, an egg would fall out of the icebox and break on the kitchen floor. And when that happened, my grandmother would look at these broken eggs with great satisfaction. And she'd say, aha, today we have a sponge cake. Knowing that you can make sponge cakes out of the broken eggs in your life, and that there are broken eggs that fall into every life, is central to the art of mothering. Central. Right? Talk to you a little bit about my mother's side of our family, which is something that I have never talked about. Um, the life force was a very important factor in our entire family. My mother had four brothers. They were all doctors. Her daughter is a doctor. Her nephew is a doctor. Her nephew's wife was also a doctor. One of her mother, my mother's brothers married late, a woman who brought her sons into our family. They were both doctors. <laughs> my mother was a public health nurse, one of the earliest people who went out into the slums of New York to tend to the poor and to people who had no access to health care. My mother was a public health nurse. Her sister was a public health nurse. My mother's niece is a nurse. My mother's grandniece is a nurse. My mother's great-grandniece is a nurse. 
My mother's mother in Russia was the rabbi's wife, which meant that she tended to anyone that was sick in the village for years and years and years. So mothering was a relationship to the life force in others that emerged sort of naturally in the course of creating a family. My mother was almost 40 when I was born. I was her 10th pregnancy and her only living child. She was a public health nurse, one of the pioneers of the profession. And for the first 15 years of her of my life, she was a shadow, a woman who lived in our home along with my beloved father and my nanny and my kitten. She left every, every morning early. She came back usually before I got up. She came back late at night, long after I had gone to sleep. And she slept for most of the weekends. Every day after school, I would go to my friend's house uh, to wait for my mother to come after work and when I, uh, to pick me up and take me home. So I would go with my friend to her home, and her mother would give us milk and cookies and set us to play in the living room and wait until my mother came from her, her work, usually a couple of hours. And one afternoon, I was playing with my friend in the living room, and I overheard my friend's sister, who was in the kitchen, talking to their mother. And my friend's sister asked, why does Rachel have to come here every day after school? Why doesn't she go home? And her mother said, hush, Jane, you must be very kind to Rachel. She doesn't have a mother. I shared this information with my father, and it was the last time I ever went to that house. About that time, I was five when this happened. I was about five. My mother invited me to come with her on Saturday when she, uh, uh, to carry her, help her carry her black bag. That was the thing. I was to help her carry a black bag when she went into the slums of New York, uh, into the tenement buildings on households. Right? And so we began to do this together every Saturday. I was five. The buildings were dirty. They were dark. A lot of the light bulbs were out. The stairs were broken. Um, they smelled bad. I remember the smell. It was, it was very difficult for me. And we would have to climb many stairs to get to the, the, the door that, that we were, the person we were going to visit. And usually when my mother would knock on the door, the woman that opened the door looked very tired and she looked dirty too. But when she saw my mother, her face would light up. And we would go with her into her kitchen and sit at her kitchen table. And she would serve us tea in cracked cups and soda crackers. And the cups didn't match, not like in our house. And I would sit there while we drank tea and listen 
as my mother and the woman would talk and the woman would tell her all about her troubles and sometimes she would cry. And my mother would reach out and hold both her hands while she listened and I would watch. And there was always someone in the house who was sick in bed who couldn't get out of bed. And after my mother and the lady talked, we go to see this person. And this was the best part because I, that we would get to open the big bag that I was carrying and take out the towels and the, the bowls and fill the bowls with water. And then my mother uh, would, would give this person a bath right there in their bed. And this was the best part of the visit because I got to wash their hands and their feet and powder them and dry them. And we did this together. This was a very, very important part of my childhood. And I did this for many, many years. And then when I was 15, I went away to college. And in the middle of the first year, in the middle of the night, the disease that has been my companion for Oh my goodness, 70 years, right? Declared itself. And I had a massive hemorrhage, Crohn's disease, became unconscious, was flown to New York, and was in coma for about six months. And when I woke up, um, there were people in white coats who came to my bedside and told me about my future. And what they said was that um, I could no longer continue my life as I had led it, that I had this dreadful disease. Nobody knew what caused it. Nobody knew how to cure it, um, that my intestine would be destroyed by it a little at a time until I didn't have enough intestine left to live, and that I would be dead by the time I was 40. Okay? which was not exactly my life plan, right? And so I went home after six months in semi-coma in the hospital and lay on my mother's couch for about two weeks. And finally, my mother came into the room and said, get up, right? She said, get up. It's time to get up and get on with your life. And I had a tantrum. And I shrieked at her and I said, what are you talking about? I don't have a life. I'm going to be dead by the time I'm 40. I don't have to get up. I don't have to do anything. And nothing I do is going to matter. And I went into this hysterical thing. And my mother just sat there and usually very remote and calm like she always was until I finished crying. And then she looked at me and she said, you're going to be dead by the time you're 40, Rachel. She said, and I said, yes. And she said, 40 years is long enough to change the world, Rachel. And then she began her mothering. Okay. The first thing that happened was they had, of course, signed me out of college because I was out for six months and for the, a reason which meant that they didn't want me to come back. And she reapplied to get me readmitted to college. 
great. And I remember shrieking at her, I can't go to college. Dad, Dad won't give me the money. He told us you were right there when he told us he wouldn't give me the money to go to college because I would die there. And she said, Rachel, I have my own bank account. I've had it for years. It's full of money. You can have it all. So she started arguing with the people at the college. At the same time, she gave me competitive driving lessons. And I, I learned how to race cars. And I, she wanted me to know that I couldn't walk two blocks, but I could drive a car at 110 miles an hour and win. <laughs> and she went so many times to talk to the dean of the school that he relented. And he readmitted me, but he made her sign a paper that if I died there, he would not be responsible and the school would not be responsible. So we went back to school together. She took a leave from her work. We went back to school together. And then she left me there. And I struggled. And I spoke to her every day. And she believed I could do it. And I did it. And many years later, we were eating in the Russian tea room in New York. I was visiting her from medical school. I had a weekend off. And I said to her, Mom, you know, and I had been hospitalized many times. That didn't matter. I just kept going, right? Um, I said, Mom, weren't you afraid I would die there? She said, Rachel, I was afraid you would die. And the way I thought you would die is that you had always wanted to be a doctor when you were only pre-med in the kindergarten class. And if you never got to try, you would be stuck there. But if you got to try and you couldn't do it, you might be able to find another way. So I, of course, I was afraid you were going to die. That's why I sent you to school. Right. It's so interesting that the will to live is often present in the form of rage. The kind of rage that I experience, um, I've, I've seen it in many people as, as a physician. I welcome it because it, it is stronger than their disease. It just needs to get focused. Right. So mothering is the ability to perceive and respond and collaborate and unblock the life force in everything, not just people, animals, plants. There are men who are superb mothers, who are absolutely superb mothers. There are women who are not superb mothers. Um, and people, a mother is someone who's in relationship to the life force in its many manifestations, plants, animals, insects, people. Um, I have an assistant who works with me. Her name is Jocelyn Key. She has a huge garden that she has cared for for many, many years. 
and life is in that garden, is flourishing in this garden. My own little garden has doubled in size since she has come to work with me. Everything blooms. She seems to be able to recognize the unique flow of the life in every plant, tree, and bush, and unblock it where it has become stuck. That's mothering. That's what it looks like to free everything alive to achieve its fullest manifestation. Rachel, you're amazing. Beautiful stories. Mm, see the life force in everything. That's what it's all about. As always, I hear what you speak about, and then I have to completely change what I was going to sing because it's just you <laughs> You make me go deeper into myself to see what, what feels right to sing in this moment. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a song that I never sing. It's very rare that I ever do this out I, I recorded it on an album years ago, and I want to talk about my mother for a moment um, with her life force. When my mother was at the end of her life, she had cancer, and it was very interesting because she she wanted to move back to where she was originally from. We, we grew up in Hollywood, California, but at the end of her life, when her cancer returned, she said, I just have this feeling I want to go home, and she went back to this little town in Superior, Wisconsin. And her cancer was very slow moving, but eventually she got to this point where she, she decided she didn't want to have all these people in her house, that she wanted to just go to a, 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 a hospice home kind of thing and be there. And when I came to see her, I remember she, she looked at me in the eyes and she said, I, I'm scared. And I said, Mom, you brought me into this world. I'll be here to help you out. And the next month that we had, when she got off all her medication, she became a different person. All of a sudden, her life force was back. And I kept thinking, really? She's in the process of dying? She was so alive and you know, feeling great with all the medication out of her. But it was a slow decline. And I, I would be with her. My sister and I would be with her every day in this, in this um, place. And I remember the way, only way that I could deal with the sadness of losing her, because I was very, very close to her, 
was I would just go play piano in the afternoon when she would sleep. And one day I was, I was playing and the, the piano faced the wall. And one day I just felt this presence and I looked around and there were 30 wheelchairs behind me that they were thinking I was giving them a concert. But I wrote a lot of songs during this time and uh, I'd like to play you one of them. I just remember my mom towards the, the last few days that she would be kind of in that state of, you know, in this world and out of this world. And she kept looking up at the ceiling and I kept going, what are you seeing? And I finally just finally felt like she was seeing her angels. She was seeing the, the, the people saying, come, come, you're okay. And you know, the, the greatest act of creativity that my mother ever showed me was on the very, the day before she died. Now she was now at a place where she wasn't speaking, but she had made these little, you know, these little, um, ceramic figurines, she would paint them. And she had a Santa Claus that just, she had painted all the, the whole Santa Claus except for the boots. And I remember on this day before she passed, she said, I, I, she, she motioned to us, she couldn't even speak at this point, that she had to get up. And she got up, we got her in a chair, and she motioned to get her paints. And here she was, you know, in this silent little way, painting the boots of this Santa Claus. You know, and as soon as the boots were done, she put it down, motioned to us, got into bed, never spoke, closed her eyes, and was and passed then that night. But it was like that, fi- uh, that final act. She had to paint the boots before she left. And this is probably one of my most treasured possessions is this little Santa Claus that I bring out every year, and I honor her. So... So this is a song I wrote for my mom. I'm calling all angels to surround the one I love. Let her know she is safe and take good care of. Hold her hand and rock her and whisper in her ear. That angels now surround her and there's nothing to fear I'm calling all angels Can you help me to let go And understand the meaning Of the words I don't know I've been walking right beside her But her path will be alone So I'm calling all angels To lead her home Let her know that she is safe And let her know that she is loved Let her hold on to your wings of faith and help her, help her to fly. I'm calling all angels, surround her in your light. I can feel that you are with her, even though you're out of sight. Let her feel your warm embrace as you lead her on her way. 
calling all angels to be with her today. I'm calling all angels. I'm calling all angels. Right now I'm calling all angels. I see little hearts coming up. Thank you. <laughs> you want me to sing another one? Oh, you do? Okay. I was, I was thinking you had another story for us. Okay. One of the things I think my mom really gave me was being seen and heard. And my mom worked at home. She had a business in, in this little office, and I would come home, and, I, you know, I know when I'm busy and something interrupts me, how, you know, I'm just like, I can't wait to get back to it. My mother would stop in the middle of her day when I came home, and I would have my little Oreos and milk, and she would just say, tell me about your day, and she would be present and listen, and just always made me feel like I am seen and I'm heard, and I think that is the greatest gift we can give anyone. So... I'll give you a little, small little medley here. So I want you to imagine, imagine that loving part of yourself, that nurturing part, singing this to you. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, do you know how loved you are? Because you are precious, so sweet and bright. A radiant beam of shining light Twinkle, twinkle, little star Do you know how loved you are? You are seen, you are heard You are loved for who you are You are enough You are complete You are love So you can, can you sing that with me? You can sing after me if you want You are seen, you are seen You are heard You are loved for who you are You are enough you are enough, you are complete. You are complete, you are loved. You are loved. Do that again. You are seen, heard. You are heard, loved. You are loved for who you are. You are enough, you are enough. You are complete. And you are. Right, so let's give this. To ourselves. Put your hand on your heart if you want. I am seen. And I am seen. I am heard. I am heard. I am loved. I am loved for who I am. I am enough. I am enough. I am complete. I am complete. 
I am loved. I am loved. Let's do it one more time. I am seen. I am heard. I am loved for who I am. I am enough. I am complete. I am loved. Say that again. Just to yourself, say, I am loved. I am loved. Yes, you are. Over to you, Rachel. What? I've been sort of going through old tropes of things. And, you know, I, um, many years ago, um, 1983 or so, I uh, started a course called The Healer's Art. And it was about um, medicine as an act of love. And I started it at an unlikely place. Um, one of the most uh, powerful research schools of medicine in America, UCSF Med School of Medicine, for first-year medical students. And um, to make it clear that um, medicine is an act of love, and it's about strengthening the life force in, in other people. And at the end of the year, these students um, made, put their money together and they made a sweatshirt. <laughs> uh, uh, that they wanted to wear around the halls of this very powerful research-oriented medical school. And all 100 of them um, wore this sweatshirt. And I found my copy of the sweatshirt. And I thought I would show it to you. It says, the healer's art, because medicine is an act of love. Can you see it? Oh, that's, be oh my God, that's beautiful. Isn't that amazing? Oh, I love that. Because medicine is an act of love. Wow. So is anything that befriends the life force is an act of love. Yes. Yeah. And you can befriend the life force using anything, mathematics, history. You have your choice, but everyone who befriends the life force is another. It's hmm. beautiful, Rachel. Thank you for sharing isn't, that. Isn't that exquisite? I love it. I love they it. it themselves. Hold it up even higher. Put it up even higher. Let's... Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're always oh, just right underneath. Oh, that's so great. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, it's beautiful. And and the, the students who designed it right now, um, um, well, one of them is our Surgeon General. And others are deans of medical schools. And, you know, people take this out and do it in their own way. And that's the thing. You know, not everybody mothers by having a baby. Everybody can be a mother, but you do it your own way. Go and befriend the life force. It's right around you. 
Well, I have to say the way that you, the way that Rachel, the way that you mother your cats is is <laughs> something to behold. I mean, you all need to know she talks to these cats like they are just the most. Pre- they are the most precious little beings on earth, and these cats just revel in it. They just they're the, the most happy cats I've ever known. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. You are a cat mom for sure. I am definitely a cat mom. Uh, I um I had never met an animal until I was 27. I was in New York child, right? And um a dear friend of mine um gave me one of her extra cats. And of course she couldn't talk, so I was very worried I would be hungry in my home. So I kept feeding it different things, and eventually it had 10 different bowls of different kinds of food every day, right? right. Um, I learned a lot from my cats. Yeah. So I'm just going to say to you, I think what the world really needs now is for all of us to be mothers. All of us to be friendly life force. All of us to recognize that we can strengthen the life in our planet, in ourselves, and the people around us, and the animals. The life force needs us to help. Yeah. Well, and truly, you know, I just did a talk the other day at a church, a Mother's Day talk, and my talk was all about how much do you mother yourself? How do you nurture yourself? How do you... You know, when you give to yourself and you give yourself that nurturing, you can give it to other people. And truly, that is where we are at in this world right now, mm-hmm. is having to just, we need to be loving and nurturing to everybody else. I mean, my goodness, we just are so divided. And when we, when we have that, that's when the miracles happen. I mean, you told me about Grandmother Spider Woman a long time ago about that. that remember that story? No, I'm not trying to think now. Yeah. Well, Grandmother Spiderwoman, what you taught me about it was that she weaves these connecting webs um, all the time to all of us. But it's usually when we're in some kind of a, uh, a tragedy or a drama that all of a sudden those webs become visible. And that's when people are saying, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. I'm here for you. And that's what that's what we're talking about today is that that life force of being connected to each of us, mm-hmm. healing our own hearts. Well, I'm just so grateful, Rachel, that you followed the path that was meant for you. You know, with your life force being so strong, and certainly through all these years, going through all that you've gone through, you know, to to do the work that you've done. Thank you, Annie. Pretty gosh darn amazing. Oh, my goodness. You got lots of hearts coming up here. So I have a question. So um, if there's anyone out there, if you have any, as we kind of, we're we're kind of coming to the end of our time today, which is amazing. Um, If there's anyone that has any questions or comments you want to make about anything that we've talked about today, um, feel free. Oh, yeah. Here's from Nancy. Is there a book about what you've learned from your cats? 
<laughs> I think I will have to write it. No. I think you have to write it. Oh, there's your next book, Rachel. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy. We're going to put her on a new career path of writing more of these kinds of books. Yeah. Well, didn't you, did you write an article or didn't you write something about your cats? I remember you telling me you read me something. I don't remember. I don't remember. Oh, we got to think about that because, yeah, you've got a lot to say about the, the spiritual lessons of cats. I think that this could be. They are deeply spiritual animals. They really, really. They truly are. For example, I have, you know, their main coon cats, mine. Right, and they're huge. They're very large. and They're very, so heavy. <laughs> yeah. So my, my male cat is red. There isn't any hair on him that isn't the same color as your hair, right? And he's very, uh, he's very spooky. He's a really interesting cat. And at night, he waits until the lights are all out. And I'm, I'm sort of in bed, and I'm just about ready to go to sleep. And he comes and he, he lies down next to me, and he begins to purr. And his purring is very loud. And he purrs and purrs and purrs and purrs and purrs as I fall asleep. And sometimes I wake up in the night and he's still purring. Oh, right. that's the best. It's so, so remarkable. Hey, um, uh, Lorna asked a question, which I think would be a good one for us to talk about for a moment. How do you balance taking care of yourself and caring for others? How do you balance taking care of yourself? I and think they're the same thing. Ah, that's an issue. My experience is when I take care of others, I, I'm benefiting myself. I, I feel cared for myself. It feels like the most important part of me is being honored and acknowledged and, and used. Right? Yes, right. Yeah. I think being well used is a very important part of thriving. Well, then that goes into what um, another person just asked about. What What do you think has kept her alive for so long? And that's, you're answering it, that, that having Curiosity. that purpose. <laughs> what is that? Curiosity. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I want to see how it all turns out. <laughs> well, all right. Now, here's, here's, here's a, another question for you. What do you think about the fact that these doctors told you you would be gone by 40? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts about that. Do tell. I have a lot of thoughts about that. It is a question of humility. Mm. Being able to say, I don't know, but I am here and I will accompany you in whatever direction you're going. That's the message. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people want to know, they want to offer certainty to people. They want to ease fear by, by saying, I know how this is going to turn out. It'll be fine. But the reality is what really eases, eases fear is for a person not to be alone, to be accompanied wherever you're going. Right. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. We've had a few people ask, uh, Rachel, about that image. Um, are those T-shirts available anywhere? No. Are the T-shirt, the sweatshirts available? I mean, that no, image, everyone, actually, everyone's commenting how they love it. We, we could actually make them up because we have this design. It's, it's wonderful. I think you should think about that because and all these people, I'm having a lot of comments wonderful. here. People 
people are liking it. Very, very high-powered uh, uh, scientific. Uh, it's an amazing school, UCSF, an amazing school. Has made many, many contributions to knowledge about healing and helping people and all of this. But it does it mainly, you know, through through intellect and research and all of this research school. Um, and these kids walked around the school wearing a shirt. <laughs> and it opened up a lot of conversation. Medicine is an act of love. And then you just, if you spend 10 seconds thinking about that and you're involved in this work, of course it is. I mean, yeah. what else could it cause you to make the sacrifices you've made in order to be in this work? Right. Yeah. Well, uh, Rachel, I think we, we, we might be setting you off on a whole new business here because I'm seeing all these people commenting saying, one person <laughs> said, I'll order many if you print them up for all of her healthcare colleagues. So, you know, we, 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 we will let you all know about this. This could be Rachel's new okay. career is selling well, these we, we shirts. We certainly could, could, could do that. I mean, that would not be hard to do. We have all right. The, well, we'll, we'll talk about that. The the Bohemians, yeah. I love it. That's great. Well, I think we are coming to the end of our time. Would you like me to end with a little chant? So I'm going to give you a brand new chant. Um, uh, I'm still actually writing it, but it just feels perfect to just end with this today. So the words are, I open my heart to healing in this moment. I open my heart to love, to joy, to peace, whatever you want to say there. I open my heart to healing in this moment. I open my heart I am healed. So whatever is going on physically or spiritually, mentally, whatever, just know that when we open our hearts, that's when the healing happens. I open my heart to healing in this moment. I open my heart to love. I open my heart to healing in this moment. I open my heart, I am healed. That's the whole thing, got it? I open my heart to healing, to healing in this moment. I open my heart to love. I open my heart to healing in this moment. I open my heart, I am healed. I open my heart to joy. I open my heart to healing in this moment. I open my heart to joy. I open my heart to healing in this moment. I open my heart. I am healed. I open my heart to peace. I open my heart to healing in this moment. I open my heart to peace. I open my heart to healing in this moment. I open my heart. I am healed. Let's end with love one more time. I open my heart to healing in this moment. I open my heart to love. I open
open my heart to healing in this moment. I open my heart, I am healed. Just that last line, I open my heart. I open my heart, I am healed. I open my heart. I open my heart, I am healed. So thank you all so much for being with us today. It's been lovely to be with you. And Rachel, I could just sit at your feet and listen to your stories all day long. Thank you for those great stories. You know, I am always so moved by the power of chanting this ancient art form. And we really should talk a little more about it next time. I'd love to. Chanting shifts consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Kira and Ken. We appreciate you having us. Well, this has been such a wonderful hour. Really tender today. Very sweet. Thank you. And don't forget, we have more music and story events coming up with Rachel and Karen. Uh, The next one is June 20th, right here on Zoom, celebrating Fathers and Father's Day. And she came up with that title, Kira, Yo Papa, or Yo yo, yo Dad. (laughs) That was her. That was her. She's so hip. (laughs) She is. (laughs) And then, of course, another reminder about the July 8th in-person event at Community Congregational Church in Tiburon, California. If you're local, you can go see them live. And Karen has a lot of other events and offerings. You can find them on her website, karendrucker.com. And um, if you want to rewatch or re-listen to this conversation, or if you want to share it with others or any of the other events that we've had with them, you can uh, watch the recordings on our website, tns.commonweal.org, or find them on all of our um, media outlets and also on our Facebook sites. And Rachel has a great Facebook site. You can find her there. So much gratitude for all of you mothers and all of you children of mothers who are joining us today. Thank you for being with us at the New School at Cottonwheel. We'll see you next time, everybody. You've been listening to Music and Stories with Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen and musical artist Karen Drucker. Thank you for listening to TNS, The New School at Commonweal. The New School at Commonweal is directed by Michael Lerner. Our program coordinator is Kira Epstein. Our audio producer is Ken Adams. Our theme music was performed by Debbie Daly. Visit us online at tns.commonweal.org. That's tns.commonweal.org. Commonweal is spelled C-O-M-M-O-N-W-E-A-L. You can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, and Amazon Music. Thanks for listening. Water can heal my body, water can heal my soul.